The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Setting the Record Straight, where various Christian Reconstructionist pastors seek to understand and dissect the issues that are plaguing the church today, from the pulpit to the pew. Hello and welcome to another edition of Setting the Record Straight, a podcast of the Reconstructionist Radio Network. My name is Russell Trawick. I'll be your host for today. I'm pastor of Christ Covenant Church in Sweeney, Texas, a local gathering uh, of Christian Reconstructionist brethren. And today, my podcast, uh, broadcast or whatever, is entitled Brothels with Steeples. That's right. Listen to that title again slowly. Brothels with Steeples. This is not just another clickbait episode. I'd rather be sharing a sermon from my recent past based on the Sermon on the Mount, something based on righteousness and justice. But before I can address something of that magnitude, the Lord has been pricking my conscience for some time to do this podcast and the more I see and read on social media and hear from some of the posts, uh, some that are posting, and the, some of the posts that are put out there, um, I could hold back no longer. Now, before I move on, I'm going to be doing this episode a little bit different. I'm I'm kind of got thrown out an outline. This is just going to be off the cuff as much as possible because. I think this is a more of a discussion rather than just a time of preaching. But I'm going to say some things, and although this is not clickbait, I will forewarn you that some of you might find some of the things that are said to be inappropriate. But I encourage you to put on your thick skin coat and acknowledge, uh, and acknowledge, and according to James 1.19, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because of the analogous things I will say. Brothels with steeples is what I believe Jesus would call the average American church, regardless of denomination, whether evangelical, reformed, or whatnot, if he were walking the earth today. Now, I'm not being blasphemous in any way by putting words in the Lord's mouth. I'm reminded of Matthew 23. It says this, and I'm going to read the whole thing to you. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and their greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you're not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither uh, enter yourselves, nor you allow those who would enter to go in. 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you! Woe to you! Hear this. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing, but if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold of the temple, or that, that, uh, or that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by whom who dwells in it. But he who dwells in it. And, and whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and you have but and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that, that the outside may also be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness." Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the, the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up, then, the measure of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteousness of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon you, upon this generation." O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is where the analogy begins between Scripture and and this ep- between between the scripture and and uh, this episode, I believe most pulpits in America are filled with pimps who prostitute the grace of God and the people of God for their own purpose and benefit, and to, de- to the detriment of the kingdom work of God here and now in this generation. First, these are men who take the very word of God. And twist it to entrap and enslave the weak. But they do it so cleverly with a facade of great intellect, promises of greatness, riches, and blessing, just as a pimp tells his girls he's trying to pick up for his services that she is beautiful and she can be rich and travel the world, 
all the while plotting to enslave her body and soul to a hell on earth. Yes, Matthew 23 says that we are to obey and do what these men say, but not what they do. That means we are to discern and dissect everything they say and question whether it conforms to the word of God or to them, and then walk in obedience to the word of God. It's just like Peter and John standing before the Sanhedrin when they tell them to, to, to not speak. Didn't we tell you not to speak in this name again? And they turned to themselves, well, you decide whether it's right to obey men or to obey God. Second, these men enslave people through their false pietistic observances and gatherings, making the observances and gatherings of greater importance than the actual meaning behind those things. They set the local church gathering, which is under their quote-unquote authority and quote-unquote control, as better than the other local brothels and set the local apart and above the church universal and abroad. It's like saying this brothel is more important than that brothel over there. This pimp is a better listener to my wants and desires. Like good church community, this brothel is more comfortable and it's more hygienic than that other brothel over there. Now, I'm not saying that a local gathering of believers is sinful or wrong. But when these pimps and pulpits put burdens on people not contained in Scripture, whether Sabbath observances, mandatory church membership and attendance, or claiming authority and control over areas of God's people that Scripture does not allow for, they're pimps. These men refuse to help remove the burdens because not only had they placed them upon people, it would not benefit them to do so. It would be like a pimp letting one of his girls go out on a date with someone to form a relationship with them on a Friday night where he would not make money and maybe lose his girl, his source of income, in the process. These men treat the members like a commodity. And this is sinful. This is more than just sinful. It's more than hypocritical. It's outright evil. Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. Third, as we come back, these men desire to be seen, acknowledged, and praised by men more than to serve the Lord in humility, allowing God to be praised. You know these men. They are those that telephies everything on social media and Facebook Live from the point of telling you what they're going to do to the doing it and then giving you a recap of all that they have done that day. These are those who that have to show you how they read scripture in the public square or they televise their daily devotionals so that you know just how spiritual and engaged they are. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 1-6, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father and who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray... 
You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the, street, and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. <clears throat> I'm not saying that, that using social media is of the devil. It's not. I use it weekly to broadcast our gathering for those who are sick or away and cannot make it. A few people of our gathering of the, of, of the church travel 30 minutes or more so that every week they are a, they aren't a, they're not able to participate in person. Therefore, social media is a valuable resource to them. We use social media for various other reasons, from promoting our gathering to biz, personal business and to sharing the gospel. Social media can be used... For safety while dealing with the police or people in places of high anxiety and potential violence, such as an abortion clinic. The issue is not the medium that is used, but the purpose and intention behind it. These men want you to know what they're doing. They want you to know what they are doing. They want you to see them doing it. They want you to see how long their tassels of self-honor and how big their phylacteries of books read are, like a pimp parading his harem through the streets to show his mighty collection of works of sinful slavery. They want to be seen. They want to be seen by men. They want people to know them and to hear their names. To go, oh, I've seen that guy on Facebook. He, this is the kind of person he is. He's awesome. He goes after the, the best of the best in the Reformed community. And he tries to lay waste to them. That's reality of what goes on most of the time. Fourth, these men desire to be acknowledged and respected because of their position of quote-unquote authority. They don't want you questioning their pastoral authority or limiting their pimpdom rule and power. They want you to know that the titles such as and the perceived accompanying authority or, and power of pastor and elder and head pimp are to be revered and never questioned. Questioning those quote-unquote men of God who have been ordained by men means you question God himself at least in these men's minds. You don't ever question a pimp's street cred, don't you know? Otherwise, the, the, the full weight of his Facebook hammer with a keyboard will come down on you and all his papist buddies will join in on the crusade to rid you and your reputation from the world in order to build up their own pimpdom and their own reputation and their own reputation or whatever you want to call it. Jason Sanchez of Reconstructionist Radio wrote this this past week. What's worse than a pope? A whole bunch of little popes. What's worse than that? A whole bunch of wannabe little popes causing division to achieve little pope status. He went on to quote A.W. Pink saying, Differences of opinion, especially in church government, soon led to further division in the formation of parties and sects, and in many instances, Protestants were as uh, dictatorial as the Papists had been, demanding unqualified submission to their articles of faith and forms of worship. Only after bitter persecution and much hardship did real religious liberty gradually emerge, and never yet has it full and universally been obtained in Protestantism. Yes, this is 
a great reason why modern Protestants or even specifically Presbyterianism is failing. In order to prop up their many of their false illusions of authority, they make the central focus for believers the local institutional gathering. Now, I'm not saying members of the church, uh, universal, ought not to gather together. I, I believe we should. But how and when and how often what that and what that gathering contains reveals the heart of what truly is important to that gathering. Get that. What is the purpose of that gathering? Is it really just the preaching? I would even go back to say, if you look at the uh, in Corinthians about Paul's uh, correction for what what is supposed to be contained in the order of worship and what was directed, it doesn't say one person is to prophesy. It says two or more in turn are to prophesy. I mean, how many local gatherings actually have two to three pre- people preaching on Sundays? Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. Many people, many churches preach that the tithe belongs only to the local church. Many preach that we are to follow Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, the Matthew twenty-eight eighteen twenty principle of discipling the nations. But when the laity uh, begins to do so by applying God's word to all of life. These pimps begin limiting the ability of the laity as to what subjects can be proclaimed to the nations and where the places where the laity can venture. And most certainly when the laity begin to call their brothers and sisters in Christ along with the elders of the local churches to the standard of God's word in areas from abortion to public school education to politics and more, they definitely cross a line and have to be brought back under the cane of their pimp and their pimp sessions. Matthew twenty three fifteen says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Many of these so-called, quote-unquote, elders, who I'm calling pimps, don't lift a finger to remove burdens from their congregation, and nor do they want to do so. By keeping the flock under their under the burden of obscurity to the knowledge of the Word of God and to its, and its application to all of life, they keep them under their pimp cane. They become twice as much a child of hell because they not only, they not only do not know the Word of God, but they are expected to stay there. At lunch this past Sunday, I said that all men in a local congregation ought to be elders. And a man that was visiting, he kind of cringed. I'm not saying he was disagreed, but he said that was a lofty goal. But that wasn't feasible. He basically said it wasn't feasible because not all men meet the standard of elder. My response was that was this is where the church needs to change into work because this ought to be the standard. This is why shepherds are to shepherd the sheep into becoming shepherds and not to be pimps that keep their harem in line. This is why modern ecclesiocrats are being dubbed papists or this movement a return to Rome where the papal authority had all control and power and they made sure it stayed that way by keeping the people ignorant of the word and making their words equal to as if God were speaking. That's, that's where the whole thing that the, the Pope is sinless. He cannot be mistaken. He's infallible. And that's a heresy in itself. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
You know, much of this is done under the auspices of not binding the consciences of men. Some friends of mine were told that they were causing division in the local church because of their stance against public school education. And that for Christians to not only participate, but to send their their children to institutions that teach a secular humanistic doctrine directly opposed to a biblical worldview, these friends were saying it was sinful. They were, it, it is sinful. They were told that by doing such a thing, they were binding the liberty of the conscience of other believers in the church and causing division. They were told, much like Peter and John, not to speak. If they stopped saying these things or, or writing about them on social media, which is a totally private matter, right? There's no liberty even outside the church. If you stop writing about them on social media, then everything will be okay. What was this church doing to believers, to these believers? They were accusing them of binding the liberty of the conscience of, of other brothers and sisters in Christ, but they were binding their, their liberty of conscience at the same time. Just like saying, Peter and John, didn't we tell you not to speak of this name or to preach in this name or to do anything in this name? Well, yes, but tell me. Tell me. Is it right to obey men or to obey God? These pimps... This pimp session was much like the liberals today that chant, chant, we will not tolerate your intolerance. The session of pimps was hypocritically guilty of doing the very things they were accusing these brethren of doing. Although these brethren, being laity, were standing on the foundation rock of Christ Jesus, it was the pimp sessions, Cain, that would prevail. Either submit under it or be destroyed and kicked out of the harem. And I'll tell you right now, being outside the harem is not such a bad place to be in today's time. Fifthly, Jesus addresses the pimps of his day in Matthew 23, 27-28, saying, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within you are full of dead men's bones. And all uncleanness. So outwardly you appear righteous to others, but within you are full full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. It was here with this passage of scripture that I saw the title for this podcast Brothels with Steeples. I think this is what Jesus would call most churches today. These places under the auspices of worship of the triune God are beautiful and well manicured on the outside, but on the inside there is a stench of whoredom and all that is unholy, lawless, and God-forsaken. The descriptive terms I want to use for the stench here are such that it would be one of the foulest things to your ears without using any form of profanity. But that is what most churches have become. Brothels with steeples or stained glass temples of prostitution. The doors of the church open and the foul stench from within its belly permeates upward to the nostrils of our Lord. The people of Jesus' day had turned his father's house into a den of robbers. We, but what we have done is something much worse, something more vile. It is a prison of unholiness. It is a brothel of whoredom led by pimps in black robes.
it sickens me to think of what these men who I'm told to be careful and tread lightly with because they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. But just like a sex trafficking ring, they are not people to be looked upon at this time. With some of the things they say, I don't look upon them with joy, but with a complete uh, vomitous reaction. They've got it all clean cut on the outside. But all that's on the inside is a stench. A stench that needs a cleansing from the Holy Spirit. A spiritual cleansing. This is where this is where all the conflict comes in right here at this next moment that I want to talk about and finish with. This is where it comes into conflict. but what? Because it's not what I've said up to this point. It's what I'm about to say. This is what needs to happen in the church in America. And it does not matter if it's a Pentecostal church or a Lutheran church or any other evangelical, Baptist, or Reformed, Presbyterian, or whatever. What needs to happen today is there needs to be a spiritual cleansing to the bowels of the church. What needs to happen is repentance. And when brothers and sisters in Christ stand and call the church, those who say they're brothers and sisters, they call them to the repentance, to the, to, to the sin of this pemptum, to the sin of apathy, the sin of anything. What happens is, very clearly what happens is, you take your big old stinking pimp cane and you want to knock them over the head and knock them into submission or knock them out of this life. You want to kill them. You want to treat them just as your forefathers treated the prophets of old. Jesus went on and said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would have not taken part with them in, had, uh, in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourself that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up them on the measure of your fathers. We would, you know, uh, and, and here's the thing. You are witnesses against yourself that you are those sons of those who murdered them. How do you escape being sentenced to death? Sentenced to hell? And God, and Christ says in this time, He says, I'm sending you prophets. I'm sending you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill some whom you will crucify, some whom you will flog in your churches, and some you will persecute from town to town. So that on you, you pimps, you pimp sessions, who are building up your own pimptums, so that on you may come all the blood, all the righteous blood, 
set on earth. Last month or the months before, I told you there's a warning that comes from how you treat others. I testified what it meant to be an overbearing elder. And yet, people don't listen. Not because I'm a prophet, but you don't listen because God has not given you ears to hear and eyes to see and perceive. No, you just keep on. You go from a little pimp cane to a bigger club. Are there any prophets that you will not persecute? Are there any that you will not put to death? Will you even check a story? Will you not take something out of, out of, out, out of context and use it against someone? Will you listen? Or all you 30-some-old-year-olds that have read Bonson and read Van Til and read all these books, are you so wise now to correct every person? Have you looked at it and applied it to your life? Absolutely not. Because it doesn't matter if someone comes prophesying in the name of the Lord with the Word of God. If it isn't what you're doing or what you've done, you won't hear it. You're just going to pull out your pimp cane and try to assassinate them. And I wouldn't care if this is the last episode I do on Reconstructionist Radio. And I don't care which side you stand on on this. But I have brothers and sisters in Christ who speak plainly. Who will speak with you plainly. But instead of being Facebook vaginas, sissies, that all you can do is come out and take your hammer of your, your keyboard and go after somebody. Why don't you instead, if you don't understand or you question, why don't you stop long enough to have that private conversation? I know it was posted publicly. It doesn't matter if something's posted publicly. Understand. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it all. What I see is you join in the blood of the last 200 years of dispensational premillennialism and every other person that comes in and tries to destroy the church and keep the church in ignorance. It's the same thing over and over and over again. When will you stop? When will you stop and listen? When will you repent of your sin, of pride, and of self-importance? When will you stop long enough and know that the church isn't about you? It's the people of God. It's not about your own little gathering. It's not about your own little Facebook live session. When are you going to get it through your heads? That this is about the kingdom of God and His righteousness. When are you going to get it through your head that in Matthew 5 and the Beatitudes, He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the peacemakers. When are you going to get it through your head that to be blessed is to be a people who puts on the very character of God? Instead of being a laughingstock before a lost and dying world, do you hunger and thirst for righteousness and justice? You hunger just to be right in your own eyes. This stuff has to stop. Otherwise, I say woe to you. Woe to you. Woe to you. Until next time, God bless you and yours. Thank you for listening to Setting the Record Straight. Join us on Facebook at the Reconstructionist Radio Discussion Group. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to listen to all of our podcasts 
and to download our free audiobooks. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.